0: You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What is up, my fellow dudes? By fellow dudes, there's plural, I'm here. It's only one. Here. Here. There's there's only one. one dude. Just me. Just hanging out. I guess there's another dude in the recording room. That's right. Whatever you would call that. Would I call that the recording room? I don't know, but he is in there working the magic
1: room. Yeah, I would call it the magic room.
0: The magic room. <laughs>
1: That's what I call I mean. it all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, I mean... You know, to each their own, I know, yeah, to each their own, indeed. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I'd that's say. good, pretty that's well. That's good, all yeah. things
1: considered. All things considered, yeah. We're off the ground. It's we are. January, it is. So, that's a thing, it is a thing. That's a plus. I could say that. That's yeah, a plus. That is a plus. I'm, I'm playing it very hands off because who knows what will happen between now and release day. That's true. <laughs> so,
0: hey, it is January, <laughs> yeah, by the time. <laughs> This episode (laughs) drops, I should be back from my week of intensives at RTS in Orlando. For my seminary
1: training, you, you got to go to Orlando, and you can't even have fun about it. I know I everyone. Mean, you know, I I know that you'll appreciate and enjoy this in its I own will. way. Yes, is it Space Mountain? No, it's not. It's not.
0: And I do feel that a little bit. Yeah, I'm like I'm so close. Like it's just it's right down the road, literally. Disney World will be yeah. half an hour away, and I'm not going to get to go.
1: For, are you going to drive this? Yes. Oh, we are going my to drive Lord. it. I mean, I forget that you're superhuman in the realm of <laughs> driving to Florida. That's, that's superhuman in the
0: realm of. He's the Superman of driving. To <laughs> <Florida>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a—that's what it is. Your family has arcane powers in yes. that realm.
0: I—I I say that, but I do want to fly the next time I do this
1: particular. Oh. One, we're going thousand percent. I can't wait because I know that I will fly next time. Yeah, because I, I loved being there, and I love it even more when I'm not like splitting on up a two day Percent power. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I've um the guy I'm going down with. So there's another. Um, I have a friend who's in this program with me, and uh, we're going down together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and uh, I'm, I'm going to call him out here. If you're listening for some reason, Nick, I'm calling you out. <laughs> I apologize. Not really, but he's definitely afraid of flying. Oh, and, um, okay. but I was like. Like, well, we'll drive this time, but yeah. next time I want to fly. Yeah. Because if you can set it up right, it's cheaper yeah. to fly mm-hmm. than it is to drive, like, depending on how you can work out the tickets and all sure. that stuff. So anyway, everyone's kind of been joking with me. I'm like, yeah, I'm going out to Florida. And they're like, oh, I'm going to Disney World. I'm like, believe it or not, no. Yeah. <laughs> Like, are you sure you're not going to go? I'm like, unfortunately, I yes. wish I was less
1: sure. Yes,
0: I, I wish. I really do. So anyway, yes. Uh, so yeah. it's, things are well. And things are well with you, I'm sure. They yes. are.
1: They are indeed. Yep. Your, uh... Just at this point, I will have finally gotten a new TV, nice. which is a weird adult purchase for me. <laughs> but it's, it's very exciting.
0: Uh, nice. <sighs> big tv yeah
1: i mean as it goes i mean yeah there are definitely people with bigger tvs but for me this is this is a pretty big upgrade because yeah. i've since college i've had a like a 35 inch mm-hmm. i think is that the measure or is it 30 i'm not sure whatever but... the standard in that department is and it's fine yeah but boy would it be nice if it was better. Yeah. All <laughs> like, things would be nice and this is the Pedro Pascal moment. Life is good, <laughs> but it can be better. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Uh, and
0: um, I think we've talked about the PlayStation Five on this. Where is I mean, is that gonna happen? <sighs> I don't have it? one
1: yet. Yeah. Just like the rest of the world, because apparently it. they made twelve. <laughs> One for each apostle. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I mean, you know, I hope by the end of next month. But um, only the Lord knows. He does. That's true. Well, speaking
0: of things that only the Lord knows. How to unlock the scriptures. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, since everyone's
1: asking what one of my favorite passages hey, in all the Bible you is. You didn't know that, but I wrote that down. That was my question uh, to yes, ask. That there. was
0: the question to ask. One of my favorite passages is Luke 24, 13 to 35. And this is the passage where Jesus appears to two of the disciples who are on the road to a village called Emmaus, and he catches them none the wiser after his resurrection. And uh, it's one of those most human of Jesus's moments, you know, I say that as if there are differences between his divine moments and his human moments, but you know what I'm saying. He casually strolls up to these two guys knowing full well that they're talking about his death and knowing full well what all the hubbub is, but he's still all like, you know, what are you guys talking about over here on the road, you know? And it's just this kind of winsome, playful, awe-inspiring account,
1: I think. It is very charming, and it's also super in character, too. God is asking questions he knows the answers to at the fall of man, and then all this time later, the Lord is asking them questions that he Already knows the answer to after his resurrection.
0: I had not thought about that. Yeah. It's wow. How about what a that? thing. That is. Man. That's so crazy. that he just, he does that. And here he is still doing exactly that, that thing and still doing it to us this day. <laughs> you know <laughs> So, here's this very profound moment, though, where we read in verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, which is kind of his way of saying all the scriptures, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So, in other words, here on this road to Emmaus, Jesus gives these two disciples a crash course in how the whole Bible, which at this time was just the Old Testament, of course, mm-hmm. but goes without saying, you know, the New Testament would later be included in that. And the New Testament obviously speaks to Jesus directly. So, I and that kind of goes without saying, but <laughs> enough about that. He shows them how the whole Bible had testified to him mm. all along.
1: And it seems like this is a huge revelation for them because they were just moping before. Yeah. They were like just humdrum, like oh, Yeah,
0: he's dead and we rough thought was business. Yeah.
1: Cause they thought the crucifixion was the end. And this this Jesus of Nazareth apparently failed to redeem Israel as they expected.
0: Right. Surprise. Yes, yes. and he's like, Oh, fool and he said, Oh, foolish of heart. Like, I know. slow to believe. <laughs> like, can you imagine like being like sad and down? And then the stranger's like, What are you talking about? And you open up you know, and you're like you're telling me you your pain and he's like, Foolish of heart. And like <laughs> like, how, uh, how could you do that? So, but he's Jesus, you know? Exactly. But that little verse raises a few questions, namely, how in the world can all the scriptures actually be about Jesus? Mm. I mean, have you read the genealogies in the book of Numbers? Uh, well... <laughs> That is rough stuff right yeah. there, you know? So how in the world is something like that meant to point us to Jesus?
1: Yeah, like how is that? It's passages like that of use to anyone but a scholar. Right. Like what are we to make of that? Yeah,
0: exactly. Those are very worthwhile questions. And as always, we here at the Horizons Church Podcast are here
1: to answer them.
0: Yeah, that's right. Just like we always do, solve all dilemmas, all
1: great divine mysteries. (laughs) No stone unturned.
0: So I'll begin by saying that even the New Testament acknowledges in some sense that this isn't really all that obvious. Really? Yeah. So, for example, Paul says in Ephesians three that his insight into the mystery of Christ was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Mm. Jesus Himself says to the Pharisees in John five thirty nine through forty, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So, all that to say, we need help in order to see these connections. Yeah. We need divine help. We also need good Holy Spirit indwelt in interpreters and teachers to do the kind of work that Jesus himself did on the road to Emmaus.
1: Can I ask a question about the Paul bit there? Of course. Does that mean like he especially got this free pass of unique understanding, like a unique advantage that we are not privy to? That is a great question. I suppose there might be some sense
0: in which that's true in so far as he was caught up to like the third heaven. Like he saw things that, okay, like, well, we don't get to see that. (laughs) Um, I've never had a vision of the risen Christ knock me off my horse and blind me, you know, for three days. So in that sense, yes. But actually, what's really interesting, and why I think that's actually a really awesome pertinent question, is because in that same chapter that he's talking about this mystery, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the plan of the ages hidden in God, he says, when you you read this referring to his letter to the Ephesians you can perceive my insight what? so what he's saying is that my insight into the mystery is made known to you in these letters I've written to you so what that makes clear to us is that when we read the apostolic literature yeah, the mystery of Christ, hidden for ages in the Old Testament, in creation, is made known to us now. Wow. So the things that were made known to Paul, He is made known to us. The things that, like God is like, they need to know this. Right. This is this mystery can be revealed to them is revealed to us in the apostolic literature, and Paul himself right. says that. So that's a great question, and I think that's one of the most profound verses in all of yeah. all of the scripture, and it's one of those little things that you could almost just read right by it. Exactly. When reading, especially a letter as magisterial as the Ephesians. I think if this is just for free, if you want the best, most Succinct, rich summary of the gospel and of the scriptures and of who Jesus is and how we're supposed to live in light of that. Ephesians is your one one stop. There is more of the gospel and of Jesus per square inch of that book, I think, than any other book in the Bible. Wow. So, now that's just, that's me talking, so don't, you know, <laughs> don't put a canon within a canon or anything, but that's just my two, two bits on that. So, all that being said, in what manner are all the scriptures about Jesus?
1: Like, in other words, what is that really supposed to mean?
0: Right, yeah, because there are a number of ways, actually, that the scriptures point to Jesus. And for the sake of our discussions and how deep we can get without, you know, getting into a metaphysical philosophical theology uh, <laughs> seminar, we can probably get into focusing on two of them in particular, and also drawing out the fact that the Old Testament scriptures in particular, they did have a bearing for their original audience. So like There were some particularly medieval scholars who were like, there's a hidden spiritual sense that only, it's like kind of Gnosticism. Like you need like, your
1: decoder ring. Yeah,
0: you need a decoder ring to figure it out. And mm. like, no, that's that's not what Jesus was saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not as if there's like, yeah, like you need the, I mean, maybe in the sense that like, this is so cheesy, but like in the sense that Jesus is the decoder uh, ring, right. you know what I mean? But not like, you know, you need some mm. sort of Gnostic Exactly. Ritual to, you know, understand these things. So the two that we're going to particularly focus on, and we will dig into each of them in two subsequent episodes, nice. are typology and messianic prophecy.
1: Mm. Those are the two. Now that you said two those, topics. I really am glad we're doing two separate yeah. episodes. <laughs> Not really great at explaining either one.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot to dig into with each of them, a lot. But just as a rough overview, Messianic prophecy is probably the most familiar and uh, quote-unquote straightforward of the two. So, Messianic prophecy would involve those passages that most of us know and love, like Isaiah 7:14, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel.
1: So, this is like this extremely clear, more on-the-nose, unmistakable references to Christ.
0: Right. The kinds of things that when you're reading your Old Testament as a Christian, you'll read that and be like, that about Jesus, okay. like, you know, without even really having to think know. About it. Yeah, like um, Isaiah 53 is another one, you know, you read about this servant who was crushed for our iniquities yeah. and uh, bore our sins. Like, oh, that's Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. we know that, like, you don't even have to, like, really think about that. <laughs> now, messianic prophecy can get a little funky, so to speak, in that when you're reading perhaps a particular passage in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 714, and you might come to a moment where you realize oh, wait a minute. It looks like maybe the original author thought that that prophecy was fulfilled in just the next chapter. Mm. It's like, for instance, Isaiah 8, he says, I went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. Oh. So there seems to be this connection. Isaiah seems to see a level of fulfillment in that prophecy there. But But then what we'll dig into much more deeply, because this is a really long conversation, is that what the New Testament authors make clear is there's kind of like these levels of fulfillment. Mm. An image that I like to think of that I don't know how exactly accurate it is, but like when it comes to Old Testament prophecy and fulfillment and all that stuff, it's kind of like this fountain. So you have like this, this source of like God's word, the prophetic word bubbling up out of this fountain. Mm-hmm. And then you have like this little top ring around it and it catches the water. Oh, that's a level of fulfillment. Okay. But then we come out later and there's this larger ring underneath and oh, now that's a level of fulfillment. And then it just, you keep discovering more fulfillment. That's like, it's completely true and it gets more and more.
1: I feel like somewhere there's a joke, but a non joke about the fullness of time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, at the end of this fountain is the fullness of
0: time. Yes, exactly, exactly. But we'll talk about that more in, in an episode where we'll actually dig into this because that's where you get folks like a Bart Ehrman or guys like that who would argue like, well, New Testament authors are just taking these prophecies out of their out of their context and using them to advance their own oh, agenda, okay. um, which is interesting on a number of levels. But like I said, we'll get into that in another in another episode. Typology, on the other hand, is much more wide ranging and uh, really can be found to some degree in all of scripture. So for a quick example of how this would work and how it would not work, we'll take the example of the tabernacle, or as it's sometimes called in the Old Testament, the tent of meeting, mm. was the place where God's glory dwelt with the Israelites while they were wandering in the wilderness, before they'd conquer Canaan, before the temple was built, all that stuff. So you have this tabernacle.
1: So is this supposed to be like, like, in an an obscure sense, it's meant to foreshadow that, like, okay, God dwelt within the temple as the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. Is that the sort of thingy?
0: Yes, so you have exactly those kind of these parallel connections and these layers and all these things that are like he's getting us
1: to... It's a picture of what is to come.
0: Yes, and that's exactly what the author Hebrews draws out all throughout his letter, and what he explicitly says, he's like, these things, tabernacle, temple, all these ceremonies, all these rituals, they were shadows Ah, of the thing to come.
1: I see. I like that description. Yeah,
0: so like, you know, you get when the shadow, you can tell, you know, you can get the form, like exactly. the rough, you know, outline of something from its shadow, but you don't know what it is mm. until you can see it. So that's what typology is. We get shadows of Christ in the Old Testament. So if we take the tabernacle, as you pointed out, speaking very generally, the glory of God took up residence, so to speak, in this earthy structure, this tent. In Christ, the glory of God took up residence, so to speak, in another earthy structure, in this case being a body. And then that, of course, as you drew out, further demonstrated that we become, in a fuller sense, the temple of the Spirit and that he indwells us now. So, in that sense, when you look at it that way, the tabernacle is a type of Christ. Mm. It is a shadow of Christ. You get something of what he would be, but you wouldn't know it until you actually saw him, right? Yeah, okay. Now... If you were to think to yourself ah, they probably had to drive pegs into the ground to keep the tabernacle erect, which would involve nails, and say Jesus was crucified with nails, and therefore, oh, no. you know, that's a type of Christ. Um, Well, that's stretching the texts a little bit yeah. there. You're you're kind of reaching yeah. on that one, and that is not a good example of typology. So, obviously, we will talk more about how to properly read the Bible typologically in a full episode, because that's probably the trickiest. You know, you could get into some... Yeah,
1: there's, there's a measure of almost looseness yeah, that you could, you could wreak havoc with.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that is not what we want to do, obviously. So you need to find a way to do that faithfully to the actual meaning of the scripture itself. Right. And also realizing, okay, this does point us to Jesus somehow. How does it legitimately do that? I just remembered Charles Spurgeon was lecturing his students once about this practice and preaching because he was a guy who, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was him who famously said, if you don't have Christ in your sermon, you don't have a sermon. Ah. Um, You know, come back to me, sir, when you have Christ in your sermon and then you can preach. And he, I think he also said, as all roads led to Rome in ancient days, so all the roads in scripture lead to Christ. Mm. So he was very serious about this, but then he was also very adamant, like you cannot abuse this or do it wrongly. And, um, (laughs) I can't remember which example it was but he talked about a preacher in his day that no one knows the name of now anymore of (laughs) course because they weren't Charles Spurgeon but um exactly some guy who there was an example of like somebody said three things like he had these like three he was like and in the scripture he said these three things and these three things clearly represent the trinity because he said three things he was like Uh, what the heck like no that's not how that works it it was much funnier and more detailed than I remember obviously now which is sad but he obviously spoke against the abuses of this. So, it is uh something that we need help to do. Mm. Now, here's one final word on looking for Christ in all of the Bible. Don't quote-unquote jump to Christ too quickly when reading the Old Testament because that is something I think we could do yeah. easily without realizing it as we just like, how is this about Jesus and then there's no it almost becomes like our scapegoat if there's obedience required in a text to not obey or to completely miss a portion of the passage that like we were really like the Holy Spirit was like, I really want you to hear what God is saying here to you, Mm -hmm. not just about Jesus, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. For example, when you're reading about Samson in the book of Judges, you should seek to understand what Samson's story actually had to say about ancient israel and what that story has to say about our own human hearts like our own proclivities towards sinfulness right Mm because samson was not he was really not a great guy
1: really not a not a beacon
0: (laughs) no he was not so you want you want to understand that understanding that you're in a better position to ask how does Samson show me about Christ? Like, what does he have to show me about Jesus? Yeah. Um, because he does, you know, in spite of his, I mean, glaring weaknesses and his <laughs> terrible sins, there are things that Samson shadows Christ. Yeah, There are areas in which he does that. So on that note, you can always learn how to read your Old Testament better by learning how the New Testament authors read it, because they're the infallible guides on the subject. So if you really have a question on that, the apostles, they did the thing, you know? They did
1: the thing, I mean, Jesus
0: did that, too. Jesus was always quoting the Old Testament yeah, scriptures true. and revealing what they fully meant. I think we've talked about that in our Ten Commandments stuff. He would go to the Pharisees and they'd be like I haven't broken the commandment about committing murder so I'm fine. And he's like, "Well, well, well." Underneath well. that, like that commandment to commit murder is true and the fullest meaning of that is you can't be unjustly angry at your brother in your heart because that is the heart of the matter is you mm. murder because you're angry and envious. So, anyway, yeah, you want to know how to read your Old Testament better? You can just in a in a quick uh, a quick fix refer to your New Testament. and can learn a lot there. So, sure enough. But we will seek to be your guides in forthcoming episodes to <laughs> help us Help us do this better, so, and I think that's all. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, for the time being. So, mm-hmm. pretty excited to go through some of this stuff. This is like my my wheelhouse, my nice. passion project. My I don't I don't
1: know. Good I way to start the like year then. Yeah, know?
0: it is. It is. It's really a great way to start the year. So. Thank you, as always, uh, for listening. To all of you who especially are subscribed, mm. regular listeners, uh, we really appreciate you. And uh, if you haven't yet, you find this content helpful, we'd love it if you'd leave us uh, an honest five-star review mm. in the iTunes Please store. Bolsters the uh, the word out a little bit there and uh, helps us out, and we uh, we'd appreciate it. And if you want to share it with your friends, that'd be great. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email them to podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. So thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm.